Welcome to Mums in the Making. Storm's grappling with the realities of being a new mum. And Rachel is currently pregnant. And neither of us has a clue what we're doing. And it would appear that neither do any of you. On this week's episode of Mums in the Making, Rachel and I discuss nurseries. And here is the playroom, look at the playroom. Cravings. Mint chocolate chip ice cream. Warning, these do get quite bizarre. I had the strongest craving for sponges, like the water inside of a sponge and chewing the sponge. Like I literally had a basket of specific chewing sponges. And silly things that we just fly into a pregnancy rage over. He had a bite of it in the car and not just a nibble, a big bite and I lost it. I absolutely broke down. I was crying. Hello. Hello. How have you been? Yeah, I've been really well. Sickness is gone and I just feel much more like myself and I've been seeing friends and oh that's bunny yawning in the background (laughs) you looks like you've got that second trimester glow (laughs) that's very kind and also untrue I believe I'm starting to think that this glow stuff is made up (laughs) and it's reserved for pregnant women on Pantene Pro-V adverts (laughs) this glowing thing is a myth Do you know what week you're on, what size the baby is now, what you're growing, what the baby's doing? Yes. So we're 17 weeks now, which is the size of a pomegranate, which I enjoy a pomegranate, but it does give me visuals of cracking the baby open and there being lots of little (laughs) jewels inside it, (laughs) like a kinder surprise. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it feels, weirdly, I feel less pregnant in this couple of weeks and I assume that's because the placenta is now doing most of the heavy lifting but I I just like I felt so pregnant a few weeks ago like I was the size of a planet like I was just three bowling balls with legs and now there's still two bowling balls there because the boobs are refusing to go down but my stomach feels deflated and I feel less like my whole day is taken up with pregnant thoughts, if that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds a lot like the second trimester is here, Ooh, I have to say. It took its goddamn time. <laughs> it took its goddamn time. <laughs> and you went for your midwife appointment. What was that like? Yeah, so it was, as expected, a chat with the midwife. So this is the precursor to getting the the big scan. And she's so cheery. She's just so, you know, so full of life and optimism and very like, oh, and how's it going? Oh, shame, feeling a bit unwell. Okay, next thing. So like I went in with all these like heavy worries about my illness and, you know, I was going to update her on my my allergy to dairy and things that were all like really important to me and she was just like yeah yeah cool cool okay so next (laughs) and that gave me a bit of perspective as well because you spend so much time in your own head Mm. in this time that it helps to speak to someone who has literally literally sees like up to 10 of very similar women every day 
Sometimes a midwife's reassurance is just exactly what you need to get you through the hardest times of your pregnancy and Rachel isn't the only one who's had this experience. Here's Natalie with her thanks to her midwife. So my name's Natalie and my son Luca was born in June last year at uh, Lister Hospital and the midwives were absolutely fantastic. Uh, I had a student midwife as well with us and I wouldn't change it for the world. She was fabulous she held my hand most of the time and at one point I sort of turned to the midwives and I was like I'm sorry I'm I'm so pathetic and um you know and I can't do this and they the student midwife actually was like stop it you're not silly and what do you mean you can't do this you're doing it um and she was just absolutely amazing and really supportive and lovely so we had the most fantastic experience with our midwives and sometimes they come in at just the right moment with just the right bit of information. Hiya, so I have a really cool midwife story. Um, I was at aquanatal classes in my um, late pregnancy with my daughter and my midwife um, after the session used to just get us all together for a cup of tea and a chat and she brought up about group b strep which none of the mums knew what it was um i went and got myself tested and was positive so was able to receive the antibiotics i needed whilst i was delivering my daughter to save any nasty outcome but yeah group b strep um needs to be talked about more and it's such an easy test just a swab and yeah save saves some very unpleasant um, outcomes so we thought we'd ask our very own midwife carla for a bit more information at the moment in the uk we don't offer routine testing for group b strep in pregnancy as part of the national screening program you might be positive from a routine urine sample in pregnancy or a swab test and if you are you will be offered antibiotics during labour as part of the national guideline. However, there's a large study ongoing at the moment in many, many UK hospitals, which is looking at routine group B strep swab testing at the point of labour. And if you were found to be positive, you would be offered antibiotics during your labour. And this is all to reduce the risk of any infection transferring to your baby during the birth process. If your hospital is involved in that, you will be given lots of information during pregnancy so you can make that decision about whether to have the test or not before you go in when you're in labour. Group B strep is a bacteria that lives in the vagina. It's present in lots of women and it doesn't cause us any problems. However, it can cause problems to a new baby if it's transmitted during the birth process. And it can cause babies to be very, very unwell. So it's really important that you understand the signs and symptoms of group B strep infection. If you look on the NHS.uk webpage and search group B strep infection, there's a list of things to look out for on there. And that should be discussed with you before you go home when you're postnatal with your new baby. And where could we go if we wanted more info? If you would like more information about Group B Strep, about the test or the signs and symptoms, there's a brilliant charity called Group B Strep Support who've got an amazing website which is really easy to understand and to navigate. Loads of information and resources on there. So I'd encourage anyone who's pregnant to have a look at that just to get some more information. Today, the weirdest thing happened and I believe I mentioned it last time we recorded 
because I have a slight lifelong phobia of eggs. So I've never I've never mm-hmm. had like a boiled egg or I've never had like, you know, soldiers or whatever. And everyone's like, what? Is this similar to your fear of baked beans? Uh, it's not on a par. It's much lesser. So I have had egg in like pad thai or, you know, fried rice and things like that. So it has to be sort of broken up into little bits so that I don't know like a child like you treat a child eggs um but I can... well you'll be an expert yeah exactly uh so I have never wanted to eat eggs I've never felt like I wanted scrambled eggs or poached eggs or whatever it's always grossed me out a bit but this morning I woke up and I was like mm-hmm. that's all I could think about <laughs> and I was like what's going on so today I've had four eggs in total which I to, to be fair I, I I did break it up into tiny bits as you would a kid there was lots of uh vegetables in it but madness and then after I had the first one the first whatever you want to call it I'm calling it shredded eggs because scrambled eggs is like chunkier definitely the consistency is different this is like very tiny pieces and sort of charred in the pan but after I'd had the first lot, I was like, God, I could really go that again. And then I ate it again. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a weird one. That's happened today. So we thought we'd throw that question out there and find out if you had any cravings. And my goodness, did you respond. Get set to hear cravings that vary from the strange to the downright bizarre. Hi, my name's Nat. Um, my pregnancy craving was gherkins. I would literally eat them from the jar with a fork and the whole jar at once. Hi, Alex here. So on both of my pregnancies, with both of my girls, I craved orange juice and lemon drizzle cake. My pregnancy craving was lemon with rock salt on. Tasted amazing. Hi, my name is Danny, and when I was pregnant on my first child, I had the strongest craving for sponges, like the water inside of a sponge and chewing the sponge. Like I literally had a basket of specific chewing sponges because obviously I didn't want to use dirty ones. And I thought when I would give birth that it would go, but it lasted like three or four months after I gave birth. And I would have like specific sponges for specific times in the day when I would crave them. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Hi, it's Georgie here. And my pregnancy craving was mint chocolate chip ice cream. But it had to be from Tesco's and I don't like ice cream. Never have before I was pregnant, never have since. Hey, I'm Rosianne. I had two pregnancy uh, cravings while I was pregnant. The first one was banana and marmite and the second one, a bit more normal, which was cheese and onion crisps. Hi, Katie Preston Hicks here. I had a craving so bad for ice cubes and I was due in December. Um, I drove around all of the local shops to try and find ice and when I didn't, I cried in the car and because my freezer wasn't big enough to make the amount of ice that I was getting through every day. It's Katie here. Yes, I did have cravings quite early on in my first trimester into the second. It was anything green. Um, I would forever be sending my husband to um, my local Sainsbury's to buy Granny Smith's green apples, green peppers and cucumbers. I was obsessed with anything green. Nicola here, Mains Wars, pickled gherkins, rat and ham 
for the first baby and the second baby was copious amounts of salt and vinegar discos. It was out of control. Hi Storm, it's Steph. I knew that I was pregnant a week after I had fertility treatment because I suddenly needed to eat a uh, baguette with a raw red onion and cheese in it. And I literally stopped what I was doing at work and ran to Waitrose, chopped up an onion and ate it and went, I think I need to do a pregnancy test. My name's Laura, I baby Eric in December 2022 and my craving was sourdough toast with eggs on top. But why do we get cravings? Here's Carla. Food cravings in pregnancy are normal, they're common, and it's all part of your pregnancy journey. We think that they're caused by the hormonal changes that happen in your body. Again, we blame those hormones for everything. And if it's something safe to eat or drink in pregnancy, so normal food and drink, then you know, go for it and satisfy that craving. Absolutely fine. However, for a small number of women, we have something called pica. So that's where you crave something that shouldn't be eaten. So not a normal food item. Things I've heard are cool, weirdly. Soap, sponges, ice is quite common. There's some research to suggest that this can be an indication of a deficiency. So usually iron or some other vitamin or mineral. If you speak to your GP or your midwife, we can do a simple blood test rule out any deficiency and just put your mind at rest. Well, you sent us so many of your cravings that we thought we'd give you just a few more. My name's Kate and when I was pregnant, my craving was mud, literally mud from the ground to the point where I used to have a little, like my husband cleaned it um, and like got all the grit out of it and I used to have a little lump of it at the side of my bed and I'll just like have a little nibble before bed and it was so bad but also so good. Hi, I'm Steph and when I was pregnant, the only thing I could eat without being sick everywhere was sticky rib pot noodle. Everything else, even the smell of anything cooking or anything made me gag. I could only eat sticky rib pot noodles for a good 23 weeks. Hi, then I'm here. Um, my weird pregnancy craving would be running a sponge under the tap and biting and chewing the sponge until all the water was out of it and then I'd run it under the tap and then do that like repeatedly for about 10 minutes every day. Hi Storm, Stacey here. Um, so I have three babies, six, two and one. Um, I've had the same pregnancy craving for all three of them. Slight strange one, it was the smell of hand sanitizer. Um, I had a baby before the pandemic um, and loved it. So as you can imagine, when I had my other two during the pandemic, I was buzzing. <laughs> so strange, no one actually understands where this craving comes from. But yeah. <laughs> Hello, my name is Christina. When I was pregnant, my cravings were ice. I could get, I could not get enough of ice and also the smell of cleaning products. So you quite often find me in the middle of a supermarket aisle smelling cleaning products. Yeah, that was mine. I may as well say this in the voice note, but anytime I make it very clear that I'm going to be sending you a voice note, Sandy has to make himself known in some way. 
he'll chime in, he'll rattle things. I mean, I'm getting a preview of coming attractions for having a child. <laughs> just be quiet for this, just two minutes. Hello. So today I had some inexplicable rage, <laughs> which Sandy is going to make worse because <laughs> I told him I was doing a voice note and was he finished moving furniture? And he said, yes, yes, promise. And then I just started moving furniture as soon as I've started recording. So that's not helping with the inexplicable rage. But yeah, I've been in the house by myself all day. I've been working from home. I've been angry at everything. I've decided, you know, I'm angry at stuff that I'm going to throw out. I'm angry at stuff that doesn't work. I'm angry at Apple designing their mouse so that you have to turn it upside down and plug it in to charge it so you can't use it and charge it at the same time. And I'm really inexplicably mad at this Instagram couple that I just saw on a reel just dancing around eating food the same size as their baby. And I don't even know why I'm that angry <laughs> But they just seem really annoying. I'll show you. So you sent me a very interesting um, WhatsApp message during the week. So I wanted to talk to you about emotions and hormones because rage seemed to have filled your week. Like you were getting angry at couples on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, they were infuriating. Uh, you saw the reel. You've seen their content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, oh, my it was anger inducing. <laughs> My baby's a bell pepper, so my husband has made me something to eat with a bell pepper. Like, okay. <laughs> but as you quite rightly put, her whole body was the size of a bell pepper. That was probably what was making me angry. I was like, I could floss my teeth with you. So have you found fluctuations in your mood? You're not an angry person, so that is quite unusual for you. I'm not an angry person. I'm more like a crier. Like, I could cry like any time you know and I think my normal reaction to anger is also to cry it's like that frustration of being unable to express the emotion when I am truly angry I mean I'm like I fear for the other person like I'm floating out of my body going yeah bitch <laughs> you get them <laughs> everyone needs to vacate the house in fact forget that vacate yeah. the city the country if you can <laughs> Yeah, and the kindness in me vacates my body also to watch the display of anger because I'm at my most articulate when I am fucking raging. But it doesn't happen very often. Thank so goodness. I've been so surprised when I've been getting this rage, but I, it is familiar because despite the fact I've had a period most months for most of my life now, it's always a surprise when it happens. So I'm always like, God, why am I so sad? And why do I hate everyone? And then I go, oh, yeah. And that's what I'm feeling now. So I assume it's just these surge of emotions, of hormones that are that are causing it because it's just like these intense hours of inexplicable anger, like not directed at anyone or anything. Um but yeah, with any luck, they go away <laughs> and never come back. Yeah, I think um, I think fluctuations in emotions daily, like the four seasons in one day of emotions is really, really normal during pregnancy. I think most women will say that they, they really struggled with that. I, I found pregnancy really serene, so I went the other way. I was like, I was so calm. 
yeah, bunny. It was completely strange. And I'm not like that. I'm normally quite an anxious person. I'm quite high energy. I'm, you know, a worrier. Um, I like to stay two steps ahead of any plan. But with pregnancy, I think I just thought, oh, God, well, I have no idea what I'm doing here. So I kind of threw caution to the wind and just let it roll. So it was really lovely. In fact, after having Otis, I went back to the doctors and said, you know the combination of hormones you get when you're pregnant? Is there any way of synthetically like creating that? And she looked at me like I had grown five heads. So this is clearly a very unusual <laughs> scenario and shows maybe how anxious I am just in my normal day-to-day life. She was like, no, that's very strange. Most women have the opposite. Okay, cool. Yeah, never mind. Forget I said anything. Do you think it might be there's some kind of subconscious switch in priorities because despite my weird rage days which by the way stay inside my head like a bunny probably gets told off a bit more but I'm not like acting out any anger towards anyone I'm just like really angry inside my head (laughs) why am I the only person with the brain but I have achieved that weird sense of serenity I think because (laughs) nothing matters except keeping the baby alive like so there's some kind of weird comfort in that where I'm like you know before I'd be like oh you know so and so said this or I said this and was that Mm. awkward and did they maybe take that the wrong way and I would like obsess over this like bullshit stuff and now I'm like oh wait I don't care. <laughs> I have to grow some organs today. So yeah. I've got some new priorities. And I think like I do have that level of serenity. But I'm definitely having the weird emotions. And Rachel isn't the only one. Here's Kelly's story of her pregnancy rage. Um, my most memorable outburst of like rage and tears and just absolute tantrum whilst being pregnant with either of my pregnancies was my second pregnancy and I was struggling to keep food down there was nothing I wanted like the thought of eating would make me feel sick and one night we decided to get fish and chips and the only thing I felt like I could stomach was a battered sausage he went to the fish and chip shop when he came back he put the food out like I unwrapped my sausage and half of it was gone he had a bite of it in the car and not just a nibble a big bite and I lost it I absolutely broke down I was crying I was so angry I was I was unconsolable and he'll never let me live it down my daughter's four now and it still gets brought up and he still does not understand how I felt that day but it was heartbreak I was so upset I feel your pain Kelly but why do we get these ups and downs in pregnancy here's our midwife Carla well, those Instagram couples annoy those of us who aren't pregnant, so I am not surprised that they're really annoying you. In pregnancy, your hormones make you that bit more irritable. They can cause mood swings, especially during the first trimester. And then as you move through your pregnancy, absolute exhaustion takes over. It's such hard work growing a baby and adapting your body to do that. And I don't think women appreciate the magnitude of what they're doing and how tired it makes you. So just be kind to yourself if you can do and appreciate you might be a bit snappier than usual and also you're going through a huge life change which is really hard for your brain to process so again just being accepting of that chat to your friends your family your partner get out and have some fresh air go for a walk that can really help just calm your mood down 
But if you're feeling like this all the time and it's starting to affect your daily life, then please, please go and speak to your midwife or your GP because there will be support services available in your area for you. And what we're looking at here is, is this anxiety and or depression in pregnancy or is this just the normal mood swings of pregnancy? So it's really important that we have a chat and just work out what's going on and then get you the support that you need to have that healthier and happier pregnancy. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because although I am doing no reading whatsoever about having a baby or pregnancy, people keep going, oh, have you got this book? Do you want to read it? And I'm like, no. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I am not going to read that, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I have been reading or watching more about the parenting part. So I watched a really interesting TED talk about screen usage and which was partially for work but then it led me down a bit of a rabbit hole and then I watched a bit about gentle parenting and how this is like the generation of like breaking the cycle of what our parents were like with us and then like bunny knocked over my coffee earlier (laughs) fucking blew a gasket (laughs) I was like for god's sake why do you always have to be in at everything and I was like it's the woman that isn't acting out her rage yeah, well, that I mean, she can't speak English. <laughs> so so I had this moment and the, that is exactly the parent that I do not want to be. Mm-hmm. And I've said, I've used that exact example. Worst of all, I've used that exact example when saying to people, you know, the parent that I want to avoid being entirely is the one that when the wee one knocks something over, that they are super reactive and go oh for god's sake that's just like you do this all the time Mm -hmm. because that is what happens when i knock shit over which by the way is all the time (laughs) but the the voice never changes it's always i always get that Mm -hmm. and sometimes i'll spill my coffee on myself and for the rest of the day i'll be like that's just like you You always ruin things (laughs) that's such bad internal dialogue you're giving yourself such a hard time for being human (laughs) i know and think how often I spill stuff all the time. So, yeah, I had a moment there when she... And she doesn't know not to spill things. And also the the, the, the cup shouldn't have been on the floor. But I had all those thoughts after the mm-hmm. reaction. And so I'm really wanting to be a gentle parent. But <laughs> I don't know if I'm capable. I don't know. I don't know if I'm capable of it. Well, I think the fact that, A, you've acknowledged it means that you're one step closer. I think those sorts of things are, they need to be practised, right? So, and you've got a few months left to do it. But it sounds to me, not that I am a psychologist, but I have had lots of therapy. <laughs> um, it sounds to me like you are you are the most critical of yourself and people that are critical of themselves tend to be far more critical of other people and so you will be critical of your dog you will be critical of your child so just the first thing is stop being critical of yourself give yourself a bloody yeah. break you're doing great you're going to be a wonderful mummy and you know people put their coffee on the floor it's fine let it go yeah, i know but uh, coffee spills it's fine you clean it, it, it up was, well that's the thing that's what i should be thinking so i'm just i'm really gonna have to work on my reaction so <laughs> just, just like inbuilt is the preset so yeah, it's about challenging that and breaking the cycle for when baby comes along. The other thing that I discovered was I was far more prone to react, being reactive when I was tired, when I was 
trying to do something new that I wasn't confident with and I was pushing myself. Those were my, my triggers. Those were the times where I was going, I was likely to be reactive. So I just, and, and when you first have a baby, like that is the, the holy trinity, right? I'm knackered. I have no idea what I'm doing and this is beyond my capabilities. So just becoming very conscious that I was in that mental state really helped to keep things very calm, I think. And how how is your current sleep deprivation? Because last time we spoke, <laughs> just, just to clear everyone in, we are doing the podcast several hours earlier than we normally do because Storm, Storm is like death warmed up. I need sleep. You look fantastic. So that's, that's a win. Thanks. That's the fake tan. So it covers a multitude of sleepless nights. So my mother-in-law and father-in-law are down staying at the moment, which is why I can talk while the baby is still awake. But as soon as that baby goes to bed, I fully intend to go to bed too. Uh, because he is still getting up sort of numerous times in the night. In bless care, he's doing most of the nighttime wake-ups. But even then, I still hear the baby cry. You know, it still wakes you up. And even just a disrupted sleep's a really difficult thing to deal with. So I think, bless my mother-in-law, is going to do the nighttime feeds tonight. So Amazing. I am so looking forward to a full 10 hours of sleep. I, I, I intend to just close my eyes and, and not wake up until the alarm goes off in the morning. Like, I don't care how full my bladder is. I might just sleep with a tenor lady. <laughs> I do not want to get out of my bed at any get, point. Get no. the tarpaulin down. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? This was always a waterbed. <laughs> Did you call nurseries this week? Have you managed to secure Otis a place? So I think so, but I need to call them back on Wednesday. So I've got them registered to one place that has a, wait for it, two-year waiting list. Wow. Called up when I was, when he was six months and I was like, look, I'm hoping to send Otis here when he's two. Um, when should I be calling to put him on the waiting list? She was like, you're six months late. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for I that. I mean, what are they doing in this nursery? Are you training them to be ninjas? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, so what? I think it's just the cutest thing in the world. It's called Forest Folk. And basically, they don't have any indoor space. So the kids are outside all day, whether it rains or not. They put a bit of tarpaulin up. And the kids are making, like, mud pies. And they're just having loads of fun, like, outside, exploring. So it's Scotland. It's Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> They have no entertainment apart from playing in the dirt, in the rain, all day. Yes, exactly. So that's why I affiliate so strongly to it. I'm living down in London and I would like them to have a little bit of my uh, my childhood. Yes, so I'm really hoping that he gets in there. However, in the meantime, I also had to register uh, to another nursery, which is just up the road from me. But when I went to visit it, um, it, it all seemed really lovely. At one point, one guy started singing, which was very nice. So it's all kind of Disney until you realise there's no waiting list for this nursery. And then I'm thinking, what are you feeding the children? Nails? Like, all of a sudden, mm. I don't want Otis to go there because if it's not in demand and it's not charging me double what everyone else is, it's clearly not good enough for my son. Um, I had to stop that ridiculous rationale and sign Otis up because it was a perfectly good nursery and the staff there seemed lovely, which is really the most important things. And they sing. Um, yeah, they don't go around. It's not like nursery, the musical. They don't go around sort of singing and dancing all the time. <laughs> well, I love 
I love musicals. So in my head, when you're like, yeah, he just started singing, I'm imagining him narrating the tour to the nursery. And here is the playroom. Look at the playroom. I was like, that is how I imagine life should be. I did get the feeling from this gentleman that given half the chance, he would have done that. So I was really pleased. I thought, oh, this is going to love it here. There's going to be lots of animated people. And they were all making a big fuss out of him. So... I need to, I've signed him up, but I need to pay my registration fee, which is, wait for it, drumroll please, £200. £200. Just to register him. Yeah, nurseries are an absolute madness. Have you even thought about it? I mean, how how much do actual children go for? (laughs) (laughs) If just a nursery place is 200 quid, like a kid must be worth loads. (laughs) If you started thinking about nurseries, because no joke, it's probably a good idea. Uh, yes, I actually did. Only because, you know what it's like, you speak to other mums and they <laughs> accidentally incite panic in you. Uh, but I have lots of friends that live in London, you included, and they have had difficulty getting nursery places or they've had to make difficult decisions about which nursery to go to. And so I was a bit concerned that I would call up and say, okay, the baby's not born yet, but what's the deal with nurseries? And they would laugh at me because it's Glasgow and they're like, yeah, it's no London hen. But I called up last week and they were very chill and they said, fill out an application now. How old's your baby? Uh, yeah, so not born, <laughs> not born until September. Oh, that's fine. Um, just fill out the application form now. So... There's a couple that are in very close proximity to our new flat. So probably go for those ones. And there's one that said, oh, we don't have a baby room. But when, once baby's out and it's, you know, mm-hmm. six or nine months, you can register for mm-hmm. toddler time. So, yeah, I feel then like obviously I achieved nothing from those phone calls because we haven't gone to see the nurseries. The baby's not on a nursery list but at least I felt like I'd done something. Checking out nurseries can be a really daunting prospect for some new mums and expectant mums so we thought we'd get an expert to tell us what we should be looking out for and asking when we talk to potential nurseries. So here is Richard Conway CEO and founder of childcare.co.uk with a bit of advice. Choosing a nursery for your child is one of the most difficult decisions parents have to make so it's important to take time to choose carefully. Start your search as early as you can. Most nurseries are really popular and often operate waiting lists of as much as two years. Do you want a nursery near your home or work? If you work some distance from your home, then it might be better to have your child in a nursery near work so you'll be closer in the event of an emergency. Visit at least three nurseries and always take your child with you. Initial impressions when you first walk in are a good indication. Are the staff warm and friendly to you and your child? Do the children in the setting look like they're having fun? Does the nursery also have an outside play area? Make sure you ask lots of questions. Does the nursery provide everything your child might need, such as nappies? What type of food do they serve? Does the nursery have a quiet area where your child can have a nap? Does the nursery operate all year round or do they close for some weeks in the year? Safety and security are really important. 
Does the nursery make adequate checks on people when they arrive at the door? Does the nursery have somewhere you can park easily when you drop off and pick up your child? What is the Ofsted or equivalent grading of the nursery? You can read inspection reports online for free. The cost of childcare could be one of your biggest outgoings, so check if the nursery take part in any of the government-funded childcare schemes. Three and four-year-olds can get 30 hours funded childcare a week, and it was announced in the spring budget that this will be expanded to younger children from 2024. Nurseries can be expensive, so check out alternative options too, such as registered childminders, who offer a home-from-home -home setting with a smaller number of children. Remember that children can often take time to adapt to a new childcare setting, so don't be alarmed if they seem a little bit upset during your first visit. All nurseries offer settling in sessions, and when you do make a decision, if your situation allows, it's best to ease your child in with perhaps just one or two morning or afternoon sessions a week to start with. As parents, we all want the best for our child. So above everything else, trust your gut instinct and good luck. You can research all your local childcare options at www.childcare.co.uk. What have you got to look forward to this week? Well, I am meeting up with a lot of pals because I'm able to do that now. I'm able to leave the house in Edinburgh this weekend. So we're having a, a uni girls reunion for one of our birthdays. Which is just going to be so therapeutic. I mean, you know what it's like having spending time with people you love is so curative. Mm -hmm. And also most of them have got kids. <laughs> so I'm like, what about this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I cared about that one child too. <laughs> but now, now I know the truth. So that'll be good. And it'll be good for them to be out and have a, a dinner and stuff away from the kiddies too. How about you? It, well, as I said, I'm looking forward to getting some sleep while the in-laws are here. And it's Kerr's birthday at the weekend, so there's something to look forward to as well. We're going out for dinner and uh, going out for some drinks, which sounds really basic. But when you've got a baby in the house, it's just tremendous and an absolute luxury. So we're very much yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, so that's, that's me. Nice. So I will see you, speak to you next week. Um, after we've done all our socialising to find out if you're still feeling good vibes of the second trimester. I love it because we're both like, so I'll speak to you next week after we both had a full weekend of socialising <laughs> and like the subtitles are, you're going to be so knackered. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right, we've got a full week of work and then we're going to socialise all weekend and then we'll see each other next Monday when we're both dead again. <laughs> A million percent. So look forward to the next podcast. Okay. Have a good See week. See you later. Bye, bye, bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Mums in the Making. But join us next week when Rachel goes for her 20-week scan and we finally find out the gender of her baby. If you want to get involved in the podcast and join our mum squad, then just follow me on Instagram at Storm Huntley and send us a voice note. But until next week, it's bye for now.